Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Thrive Co-Living podcast and YouTube broadcast. Thrive Co-Living is a new concept in creative community building. Sustainable, multicultural, multi-generational, and inclusive, Thrive Co-Living communities are built from repurposed big box stores or other suitable buildings. In this series, myself, Jennifer Hooper, and Thrive founder, Mark Stein, will weave together the tapestry that makes up the physical and spiritual components of this new concept in community living. Now on with the show. I'm so happy to have Christine McDaniel here with us today. She is the co-founder of Kindred. Dot io, uh, which is software for the co-living uh, space. She wrote uh, one of the first comprehensive books on co-living in 2018, The Co-Living Code, and I'm sure she'll uh, tell us where to find that. I'm sure Amazon and elsewhere, and we'll put it in the show notes. Um, and she is a podcaster and uh, is the host of the Co-Living Code podcast. And we'll put those notes in where she interviews people from all over the world doing all sorts of really exciting things uh, in the co-living space. So welcome, Christine. So glad to have you here. No, thank you, Mark. And what a great introduction. I appreciate that. So um, I'd like to start with the software and uh, have you tell us about it. Tell us about how you got interested in putting it together. Uh, maybe a little bit of about the development and when you launched, and then show it to us. Let us see it. Perfect. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so where do I? I'll, I'll back up a little bit. So I uh, was a co-liver myself. So I co-lived in an amazing community in Mission Hill, San Diego. Uh, moved in there about 2015. It was a, a six-bedroom home full of all entrepreneurs, CEOs. So each of us owned our own companies. We had everything outsourced, so chef, cleaning, laundry. It was just this amazing living situation. And it was, we weren't even calling it co-living back then. So that was 2015 to 2017. Then decided to officially launch my own brand, which was Kindred Quarters. We opened up another house up the hill um, because ours always had a waiting list. And then we opened up six months later, one in Los Angeles. And so we just kind of grew really quickly. But after that second home in Los Angeles, you know, and I moved up there. Um, so I've always kind of lived in the concept. I uh, realized there needed to be software. So I asked everybody around the world, hey, what software are you using for your co-living operation? And nobody had anything. And it just like blew my mind because, you know, a regular property management system doesn't fit quite well for co-living. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so long story short, I got two technical co-founders in, you know, they were friends of mine with, and back in 2018. And, and we started building Kindred. So um, we're two years in. It's been a fun, exciting ride. It took us to Europe. So we got into Techstars immediately. We lived in Europe last year. Um, and I, I lived at the student hotel, which is co-living also. Um, however, it, it's more individually, individual suites, almost like micro units, and then um, amazing common areas. Um, and so that was cool to live in a different, different type of co-living in Europe. And then we moved back. I moved back to San Diego. And the ironic thing is, right when my plane landed, 
the original home, the one I talked about with all the entrepreneurs, dear friends of mine, had a very rare opening. And it was literally as my plane touched down, I opened my phone. They said they were looking for somebody. They didn't know I came back from Europe. And, and I've been back here a year already. Time flies. It's a cool, gr it's a cool group to be uh, quarantined with, for sure. We're having a blast. Um, so yeah, so Kindred, that's a software platform. I spent a lot of time and, uh, you know, and our team is incredible on building. Um, we, and we're, and I'm going to show you guys the software, um, now due to occupancy dropping significantly around the world for co-living, um, we're heavy, heavy on the search and discovery, the directory side. Um, so if you want, I can share my screen and show you that. Please do. Perfect. And I will show you because it's on my desktop. This is a very uh, a recent picture, very recent. We went up to the mountains, um, me and my housemates. So here's the six of us. You guys can see us and our puppy. So we got a great Dane puppy because of quarantine. Um, we, ca we call it summer camp right now. We don't call it quarantine because we're just having just the time of our lives. Um, so that, that's been really fun. Um, so again, and that's the entrepreneur house here in San Diego. So it's been around for a while. Um, so jumping over to Kindred, um, so yeah, like kindred.io, I know you said the website earlier. Um, again, we're, we just want to facilitate ways for people to build amazing communities, you know, amazing experiences. That was always, always my dream from day one of building the software was like, I want to use my smartphone and I want to find co-living anywhere in the world, which is a couple clicks. Similar to Airbnb, it doesn't take very long to book an Airbnb. Why couldn't that be similar for co-living? Why can't I see, you know, what types of people are living in that community? What is the essence? You know, is it all entrepreneurs? Is it artists? Is it digital nomads? Um, so that's, that's what we're building here. Um, so you would go to find a home. And again, you could do this on, on a smartphone or desktop very easily. Um, yeah, and you would just search, you know, whichever city in the world that you want to move to next. Um, and it pulls up all the listings. Now we'll use, so these are just lost. There's a lot of co-living in Los Angeles, you guys. It's really, it's really picked up in the last year. Um, so we'll use Kindred Quarters as an example. So this was, again, this was mine. I'm not running it anymore. We gave back the leases. I still, we're actually turning Kindred Quarters into a nonprofit. We haven't announced that publicly yet, but we're really excited. Well, you just did. <laughs> yeah, I announced it now. I announced it now. So you guys are the first to hear it. Um, we're working on the filings and everything right now so that we can provide the tools for people to, to create their own co-living communities really easily, um, just like we did, right? So there's systems behind it and how we launched. Um, so, so what I always like to tell people is make sure you guys have pictures. This goes not just for our directory, but on websites of co-living. There needs to be people like the whole essence, and Mark, I'm sure you'll agree with me, especially with what you guys are building with Thrive, is like community is number one. It's roof over your head. And then anywhere, right? <laughs> So the, uh, I always, websites put actual pictures of, um, and, and then video, we took it a step further and said, let's do video. So a lot of these have actual video. And so we wanted to showcase the home and what the house is about through video. So every operator can do that. Also, if the guest has been on my podcast, the Co-Living Code Show, there's a link to go to the interview so you can learn more about the founder and the journey, a virtual tour. So this is huge. <laughs> now in the COVID era, you almost have to have these virtual tours, you know, so all that did was kind of expedite what was already going to happen anyways. I know virtual tours was, was kind of, you know, most people were starting to think about doing this. Now you almost have no choice. It's hard to give right. in-person tours. 
Um, and then again, try to have people, you know, in, in the, in the place, if you can, on the virtual tour, this, this is a beautiful one. This is in Venice beach that I use that I always use as an example. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, essentially, and let me go back a screen. Sorry. Um, you know, that's what we want to showcase when we're talking about, you know, directory and showing these different homes around the world. Here's one in Barcelona. Um, also want to show you, let's jump back real quick. Something unique that we did uh, recently, which I'm super excited about also, was vi video testimonials. So to me, there's, you know, Google reviews, there's Facebook reviews, there's a lot of review sites, but there's a lot of fake reviews being posted. Um, in this way, we actually verify that their guest or resident actually stayed at the home and we take it a step further and we actually allow them to post uh, video testimonials. So again, you meet the person that live, you see who lived there, you see what they're about, why they love living in that community um, firsthand. So this is a real actual testimonial. Um, nice. So that was something we just added. So yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much the gist of, of what we're building, what we've built, you know, on the Kindred platform. Very nice. So is your uh, fee model pay for inclusion? And do you, um, at this beginning stage here, do you offer it uh, for those that aren't paying? Do you have like two different tiers? How are you doing that? Great question, Mark. We actually have four that we just came up with. What we were realizing, so some of the, the there's a lot of other third-party listing sites for, for shared housing, co-living. Um, however, they're taking anywhere from 10 to 15% of the entire, and some of these leases are long, right? They might sign a 12-month lease. Well, they're taking up to 15% up front. Um, and that is insane. That's a big, big chunk. And so an Airbnb takes 10%, for example. Um, so what we decided is for, we have a free listing. So you're exactly right. We have a very basic free listing because we want to list as many communities as we can onto the Kindred platform. And then we, it goes up from there and it's based strictly on, you know, different features. Like, do you guys want a video listed? Um, do you want extra photos? Do you want a longer description, video testimonials? Um, so yeah, it just steps up from that, the pricing. So it's four tiered pricing, but no percentage, no booking percentage. So that's, that's the biggest advantage. Good. And um, I assume that people can book for four nights if, if the property allows it or four months. Um, That's a depending great, on what's, yeah. what's there. Yeah, because every year, right. In co-living, there's short-term and long-term. It depends on the community. Some do have a 30-night minimum, and a lot of times that's because of the city ordinances. They don't allow short-term. Otherwise, you're considered a hotel. Um, so depending on the operator, they set that up here. It would say like minimum 30-day, minimum 12-month stay on the uh, booking where, where you choose your dates. Okay. So your point here is to help people find co-living communities, um, do you have aspirations to create software and a platform for the communities to use to book people, um, to be a conduit on community, to help build community? What, what are your aspirations for this site or, or other sites? 
Yeah, no, definitely. So we were, you know, we started out building both simultaneously. It was just like a massive undertaking. Um, so the back end PMS system, so like the invoicing, billing, reservations, community, like maintenance requests. So kind of all of that was inside of Kindred also simultaneously. Um, right now we're working with a few technology partners and just kind of sending the leads their way, depending on, you know, what area of the world they live in. Um, so that's, that's kind of been just a recent thing only because the occupant, I mean, everybody knows with COVID, obviously, um, in some cities dramatically, like your San Francisco, your New York, any university city like Boston. Um, so then we really 100% shifted focus to help them showcase their communities and keep and fill them up. And there's a lot of ground up development happening right now. So that's maybe, you know, ground up that's going to take three to four years. So it's going to come online, you know, probably next year. So now they want to fill them up as quick as they can. Good. So any other um, aspirations in the near future with the website? And is there anything else that you want to show us on the website? And then we'll go back to just you and me. Yeah, no, I think that's a gist. I mean, I definitely wanted, you know, of course, give a plug, not for me in the show, but mainly for the amazing operators around the world that have spent time to be interviewed, to share their journey, to be super transparent. So you guys can go to the Co-Living Code on YouTube, and we have over 100 episodes. They're every single Wednesday, like clockwork. Also on Spotify, SoundCloud, um, so in iTunes, so you guys can listen to that. And then separate from that, I do, I consult with a few big operators that are expanding globally. Um, so happy if anybody wants to reach out. Um, I do consulting and I, I, well, I speak, I speak internationally, but obviously that's on hold. It was nice to travel so much before, but uh, I guess it's, it's good to have a break sometimes too. So, yeah. Well, you speak internationally just from, right from your uh, co-living community, so. That's true. That's true. Right from the, from the comfort of my home here in San Diego. Yeah. Um, well, very good. How long have you been doing the podcast? Two, uh, July was two years. Okay. Every, so over a hundred episodes, every great. single Wednesday, even Christmas day, we did a really great one, uh, co-living for the homeless in Los Angeles. It's like a special episode we aired. And it's weekly, correct? Yep. Okay, great. Well, so, um, I mentioned in our, in our pre, uh, conversation, that you may be, you may have the broadest bird's eye view of co-living as, as anyone. Um, you're, you're interacting with all these operators, um, funders, and all people in all walks of this, this industry. So talk to us a little bit about um, some of your favorite um, guests and who, who's really doing some cool things that just pop into your mind. Uh, some of the um, communities that you visited, and I, I hear from your podcast that you've been all over the world visiting and exploring. So tell us, tell us a few stories and about okay. some cool people. Yeah, so definitely check out. There's a few, you know, just this week. I know me and you talked about it. Um, Connor came on this week. You know, he's got his MBA. He's, he's, of course, traveled the world also and super passionate about co-living. I mean, he even got some grants to travel and, and to, to check out uh, some co-living operations around the world. And he just came on on the show. Um, also, another, uh, a couple extra really great ones were, uh, we had Stoney on, um, he's an investor, so he's on a few weeks back, 
Um, he's invested in four different concepts, different co-living concepts. So he is the most active investor that I'm aware of in co-living for sure. And he, he loves, loves, loves just the concept of community living. Um, so it was a fun conversation. We went really deep on the investment side of co-living and also like what the future holds um, post COVID uh, for investing into co-living. And uh, last one I'd say would be John. And these are all recent ones because they're just so top of mind. We had some great, we had like a summer packed of like the best people like Rui from Quarters, their brand new CEO, um, John from Star City. Um, again, so much knowledge. He's so passionate. You know, he's really active in public policy, trying to push, you know, because it's such a gray area with co-living still, um, just really, you know, boots on ground, trying to, to situate, you know, wait a minute, this is a new way of living, you know, how can we get cities to, to allow this? Um, you know, there's parking restrictions, there's all sorts of fun stuff when you try to put a lot of people in one building. Uh, so yeah, those would be some for people to check out. As far as my favorite uh, communities, my concepts around the world, I would say the collective in the UK is incredible. They jumped over the States recently. Um, just love what they do when it comes to just building beautiful ground up, uh, building community, having unique events. And then lastly, I'd say Zoku, which everybody knows this. So Zoku, I've stayed at before. It's in Amsterdam when I lived in Amsterdam. So I stay, I've stayed there before, and then, but I was co-working from there. Uh, last summer for the summer and just I mean they have nailed building community and I say it all the time and they know that and Hans has been on the show too so you guys could check out the show last time I was there I, I, I brought him on the show live it wasn't even through zoom we just sat down in real time awesome and um, have you been to Bali I from my research there's some very early um, co-living spaces and I'm, I'm not even sure they called them co-living um, when they started them. What do you know about Bali and, and uh, have you been there? Yeah, I went to Bali for a, a vacation two years ago and I did see, so Outpost was building, it was still like being framed. And then there was Outsite that was opening up. It was funny, they were just like not all the way open. So I didn't check them out, but I had like rode by them on my scooter. Uh, so yeah, the, I love Bali. I think it's a great Mecca for digital nomads. It's affordable. Um, so that's a great, great area, but that's probably, yeah, it's more like they call it slow travel. So that's going to be people that co-live for like one to three months. And then they usually jump to Lisbon or jump somewhere else. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I was really surprised to find, and I, I'd love to hear your take on this. You know, when, when I was uh, thinking about this project and it was starting to germinate and doing some research, um, all of a sudden I find co-housing, the term co-housing that's been going on since the 80s. And it, it shares so much with what we're doing in co-living. Talk about that, your experience with that and the, the progression and how things have changed and are are there still communities referring to themselves as co-housing communities? And do you see a difference? Oh, such a good, I literally just had this conversation like an hour before we jumped on um, with a researcher um, who actually lives in, in a cooperative um, community for the last 47 years. So he's gonna, I'm bringing him on the show to talk about the differences because I was laughing, you know, I feel like you're exactly right. It's, it's something that's been around forever. It just recently, 
you know, they, they, they you know, change, not change the name, but it's like, okay, this is co-living, this is becoming more trendy, more popular, even though it's in essence, like very similar to co-housing, our team, believe it or not, like we're, a couple of us are big on Wikipedia. So especially my, my co-founder. And so uh, we separated about two year and a half ago. We finally pulled co-living used to sat under co-housing on Wikipedia. And so we had to kind of push and push and push. And we finally got them as two different definitions on Wikipedia, uh, co-living. Um, so it's kind of growing into its own. Um, but again, and, and what's weird is I, because I've personally reached out to a lot of the, the co-housing communities in the States. And they're just very like, no, we don't want anything to do with co-living. Like it's just such different. I know, is that funny? It's just such a different demographic. A lot of times those are families. A lot of times they, you know, they purchase their homes, they share a plot of land. Um, so maybe it's just because it's a, such a different form of it. I don't know, or different demographic. It's just very interesting. You know, we've, we've reached out a few times. Um, so there doesn't seem to be as much crossover as I'd like to see, which is fine. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the philosophy, the underlying principles, the values, it it's all sounds very, very much the same. Exactly. Um, so another thing I'd like to hear your take on is small communities in a, a single house or a couple of houses versus the larger facilities and <clears throat> and how that necessitates a, a totally different uh, amount of programming and degree of programming and emphasis on programming. Um, what, are some of, what are some of the unique things that you hear of smaller, and, and since you, you're back in co-living, um, and I heard that you're, you guys are taking a trip together, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, but uh, if, unless that was a photo of the trip that you talked about. But talk about programming in a, in a house with six or eight um, uh, people versus 50 to 100 and, and, and the differences there. No, okay, perfect. I love this. I love this subject because I don't get to go deep on it very often. So yeah, our home again, six people, you know, that the picture I showed, we were up in the mountains like Arrowhead. We do a quarterly retreat. So again, we're all CEOs. So we're going to go and do a retreat for four days every quarter and we're going to plant, reflect on prior quarter, both professionally and um, personally. And then we plan our next quarter, you know, business goals, personal goals. We've been doing that for years in this house forever. It's amazing. Um, however, we are taking a trip coming up. We're taking a 10 day, we're renting this massive RV. <laughs> I can't believe, we're all super excited about this. We never took an RV, uh, you know, around at all. I've never been in an RV. Most of us have not. So we're, we're renting that for Labor Day weekend coming up in early September. And for 10 days, we're going up the California coast, Napa Valley, coming down, spending time in Yosemite, Sequoia National Parks. We all love to be in, in nature. Uh, so, so that'll be fun. So I promise we will do a little, I'm gonna video as much as I can, put it together and, and post a little video, um, but we're thrilled. We're, we get along so great here. Um, so that, that will work fine. Um, and so yeah, programming for us, we host mastermind dinners where we, we bring in um, business community leaders, investors, into our home for a private like plated dinner it's about 20 people once a month again that's on hold it's kind of a bummer a lot of our fun stuff's on hold um and then a wine a monthly wine night which is about 40 to 50 people we bring in friends again business it's networking 
Um, that's the gist of our home. That's our ethos. Uh, but let's skip to these bigger communities that I've also studied. So let's say it's like a 380 unit community. And what will happen is they'll, there will become micro communities within the big community, just totally fine. So like, like attracts like, and people have the same hobbies and then they create their own little mini communities within the big community. Um, for programming, it's, it's as, as broad as it needs to be. They're going to get feedback from what the residents want to do, what's successful, what's not. Um, they, they give the programming in the hands of the residents and guests so they can come up with ideas. Um, anybody listening, watching, I would say, like, please still try to activate the community. I know it's a lot of events, you know, and I, I, I'm the one that puts most of the events together at the house. You know, it is a lot of work. However, to just say, you know, some operators are saying, oh, well, we just saw our residents do it. But that's not enough. Like, I don't see that as successful as if an operator is really being hands-on, giving the tools and support. Hey, here's the programming ideas. What do you guys think? And they're supporting it all the way through. Um, lastly, I will say, um, so there is an operator, you know, out of the Midwest here in, in the States, he has a hundred, hundred, uh, he, he does little homes, smaller homes, right? He has a hundred, uh, units across like all these houses, right? A hundred already. He's expanding rapidly and he has 80% show up to events, which is like unheard of. I couldn't believe that. Um, as far as an attendance rate for events between different all to one location. Wow. Uh, and and in, in a single house, he's got all those people from 100 houses? I think uh, he, no, they usually like rent a, they kind of meet somewhere, maybe at a bar, some sort of events. They'll meet okay. at like a, a different space, but it'll be close to all the houses. But that's a massive attendance rate because even a building, they're usually getting about 20% attendance. Um, out of like 380. So what they'll do is they'll invite outside people in also. They'll say, hey, residents, bring some friends, bring some guests. And that's a massive way to also word of mouth fill your building. Because right. if you're bringing your friends these cool events, they're going to say, oh my God, this is such a great place to live. Like I want to live here. It's the least expensive and easiest way to get more residents. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, so let's talk about the elephant in the room. It's it's come up a little bit and that's COVID. And, um, you know, I'm hearing a pretty broad spectrum of experiences uh, within these communities, some that are staying almost as full um, or at capacity and some that are struggling. Um, first, let's talk about the, the pitch and how this is going to affect the pitch uh, that, we, uh, that we give about co-living, um, I'm thinking, and, and I'm curious to get your, your feeling about it, I'm thinking that COVID is going to show us how important, I'm getting goosebumps, uh, show, it happens about once a show um, when talking about something like this, uh, how important being with people and having those hugs and just interacting with people how, how important that is. And I think we're going to come out of this missing that and that it's going to drive even more participation. So talk a little bit about really whatever you're, you're passionate about regarding COVID and, and its effect. So yeah, if we back up back to, um, you know, March, April, when things got really, my, I wish, you know, I get Google alerts every morning on co-living. 
um, my biggest fear was seeing line, like COVID breaking whole living community, 40 people sick. Um, I mean, every day I was checking. And so I was so grateful that that was never a headline, knock on wood, that just was not. Um, so that was the biggest worry because investors would not want to see that, right? You've got a lot of people sharing small space. Um, I think every operator handled it brilliantly. You know, every week I have an open video form with operators around the world and they, you know, they share, and this is all different countries, a lot of people in one building, um, and they share how they handled it. You know, I've only heard of two COVID cases in co-living communities. One was student accommodations out of Berlin, and they had 2,100 units. One person gets sick. They, they you know, quarantine them for 14 days. They've got support. You know, they had a couple friends. You know, they had people to, like, bring them food and stuff. Um, so it was actually nice that they lived in community. Um, they didn't tell the rest of the community because they didn't want to cause hysteria and it didn't need to be public knowledge. Person got better. They were fine. Um, so that's, you know, that's amazing. That was handled well. Another operator in Los Angeles. Oh, empty. They have a hundred. No, they have 400 beds. It's the pod living. You can't get any closer than that. There is no right. six feet rule when you're in pods you're in one room with six bunk beds. Like you just, there's no such thing as six feet apart. Um, they were super proactive. They didn't have anybody get sick, but they were proactively emptied a house out. They emptied one location out, moved everybody into the other five or six. And then just in case, then they had an empty one to move people into. But again, nothing bad happened. Um, yeah, you're exactly right, Mark. Like it's, it's proving how important the community is. It's proving how, you know, you can make these buildings like very livable, right? You know, even more so. And people are remodeling homes. I'm sure you've heard just even like the single family homes. These families are doing so many home improvements right now because they're home all the time. Right. So it's like, okay, how do we make this more comfortable? Um, you know, we, we turned our garage into like a really cool gym and like yoga studio and we moved a flat screen TV into there so we could do like workouts because um, the gym's all closed. I mean, we got creative even in our own home, how to make it even a cooler living experience. Uh, so yeah, I don't think, you know, all the investors I've talked to, they're still investing. Ground up massive uh, co-living brands are, are like literally looking for uh, buildings right now, looking to break ground. Like COVID did not slow them down. And if anything, they're pl they know what's going to happen. So because of the economy, so everybody's pay is going to, and now there's going to be, you know, slower economy, but people are not going to leave the big cities, especially the young single professionals. Even if they take a pay cut, they're still going to want to live in the city. They're going to sacrifice their $6,000, you know, studio in Manhattan for co-living, right? They'll sacrifice some of that privacy to move and they were lonely i know friends that are that are living in these amazing studios in like los angeles or these great apartments by themselves and they're 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 super lonely and they're going crazy because they're working from home and they don't have coworkers and yeah so how how have you handled it within your community um did you have did everybody shelter in place how are you protecting each other from what you might bring in in terms of other associations how are y'all handling it <laughs> well we are very fortunate one of our brilliant housemates is actually um it's going through fda approval right now um created one of the first the in-home covid tests because he already had an in-home healthcare business and so it was easy for them to do that 
in parallel is to create these tests. So of course we were able to take tests more often than anybody else, right? Um, with like 15 minute results and the antibodies test. And, but aside from that, we were super strict in the beginning, like extremely strict. And for us, it's gotta be a, what we call group 10. So everybody has to agree to something, you know, it has to be a 10 for each person. So if one person's like, hey, we gotta be super careful. Like I've got an at risk, you know, girlfriend, like I can't get her sick. So uh, yeah, we all sheltered in place. Um, we were super careful, even about six feet apart. And, and again, as the months went by, like that was harder and harder to continue. Um, not letting outside people in, us not going out. And of course we wear masks, we're super careful. Um, so that's been a little more lenient. And then lastly, one of the housemates just went for a family reunion, he went on a plane. And so we just requested that he wore a mask, you know, got tested right when he got back. Um, at, through the hospital and then uh, wore a mask until he got his results. So, it, you know, everybody's super in agreement. So we're all adults and we all want to keep everybody safe and slow the spread. So, yeah, that's what we've been doing at our home. And, you know, I think people who are drawn to co-living are just naturally in, in our DNA. Um, we're going, you know, we care about each other. So we want to take care of each other. It's not like we're going to have rogue I guess, I guess in a big enough facility, you're going to have some people that are, that are not, you know, that are just there for giggles. Um, and they're not that cooperative and not that co collaborative. Um, but I think for the most part, we're, we're in tune with that. So, yeah. um, so, you know, uh, and I'm not sure, and I hate to put you on the spot. I'm not sure how much uh, research you did on our project. But uh, let me just ask, uh, if you were creating a, a brand new concept, and, and I'm sure you're dreaming about different, different types of co-living communities all the time, uh, and you wanted to do about 100 units, um, what are some of the things that you would focus on and that you would encourage us to focus on as we're in the early stages of building this community? And, then, and yeah, I did go to Thrive Communities. I love what you guys are doing. Is there a demographic, what's the age demographic you guys are shooting for? Across the whole spectrum. Nice. From, okay. from very young to very old. Cool. So intergenerational, which I'm excited to hear that um, because I feel like there's, there's, you know, it's got this 25 to 35 year old average right now, which that's going to shift. Those are always the early adopters, right? And we already see it going up in age. And then we already see like, you know, some, some senior communities, um, opening up, uh, which is exciting. And that's what we needed. Um, so yeah, that's even better. And in student hotel, I always share the story, you know, where I lived in Amsterdam, student hotel was not all students. You know, they, I'd come home in the evening and I would see a, a 70 year old playing ping pong with like an 18 year old. And it just like, I got so excited. Like it's fun to have different ages uh, and different demographics within a community. Yeah. I, I think that's wonderful. Um, and so, sorry, well, the original question was? Just um, uh, advice as, as we're building this community, the things to really focus on um, with a hundred unit community. Yeah, yeah like, um, so Zoku off the top of my head, it's one building in Amsterdam. I think they've got 220, 220 in one building. It's kind of a hotel hybrid too. 
Um, I mean, in that co-working space, and they probably, there's probably at least 200 members of co-working at least, they learned every single person's name so fast, like blew my mind. And then they were so good. And, you know, and again, you guys have a hundred, so that's manageable. You know, learning everybody's name, every, every time you see them throughout the community saying hi, um, using their first name, introducing them to people, like really getting to know them. Hey, where did you move from? Oh, this person moved from there too. Like, let's introduce you guys. So the quicker you can facilitate those relationships, the better. Because if they make friends there, they're never going to leave ever, ever, mm -hmm. ever. So that would be my number one suggestion. And then number two, which we talked about is the programming, just making really incredible programming. Right. Now, have you seen, uh, and I know you have some aspirations to work in this, uh, to expand Kindred to include <clears throat> tools to help people get together and communicate. Have you seen off the shelf tools um, that Slack or something, what's working for, for a medium sized community to help foster that communication? Because one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is um, to be able to have five people that would wanna order a pizza at 2 a.m. and go have it out in the common area. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a throwback to college and I'll share this with you. Um, <clears throat> my elevator speech, when I'm explaining co-living to people that haven't heard about it, and there's still a, a lot that haven't, I describe it <clears throat> as like a dorm for adults with less drugs and alcohol and more entertainment, fitness, and education. Um, so it, it very much is a is, a, I think, a throwback to that feeling that those of us who went to college had uh, of that sense of community and belonging. But anyways, uh, so platforms that would facilitate that communication and, uh, and activity building. Yeah, there's some in process right now. Um, I mean, WhatsApp is the one I hear the most, that everybody's using WhatsApp still to kind of communicate that. Um, yeah, there's some, I think it's called spaces.io. I think they're doing where you can, you know, kind of create separate groups of people that have certain hobbies. So maybe they kind of branch off and have their own little chat group. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's on the horizon. So in prop tech, that's definitely something coming up for sure is just creating those channels. What about Facebook pages for the entire community? Closed, closed groups for on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah. that a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I really see the Slack. need to... Yeah. Slack's a little... Because not everybody uses Slack. Slack's great because you can have different channels, but you'd have to... A lot of people, you might have to train how to use Slack. Mm -hmm. I really see the need to build communication on lots of different levels and make sure that people can easily know what's going on and multiple activities going on. So... Definitely. At yeah. the same time. Well, um, are there any things, are there any passions about co-living since, since you're, you're interviewing people most of the time and giving them the floor, um, are there any passions or things that you'd like to share, um, lessons learned, anything that you'd like to put out there that we haven't talked about? Ooh, that's a good one. I know it's funny. I feel like I'm talking so much because I'm used to being like on the other <laughs> side and just asking a question and staying quiet. 
um, because I could definitely be a talker. Um, Anything else? I mean, go above and beyond to make sure the guests and residents are are thrilled living there. I mean, again, we were running, you got 100% occupancy, 98 to 100% occupancy running worldwide with wait lists for co-living. I mean, I think that some of those operators might have taken that a little bit for granted. Um, because I can read some reviews on Yelp or Google reviews where people were unhappy. So don't be afraid to kind of search, um, search your competitors or search some of the bigger co-living brands, read those bad reviews because then you're like, Oh, this is what people really care about. Cause sometimes it's stuff that you wouldn't even know that it bothered them. You know, one person was really upset because you know, their appliances were breaking left and right. They weren't fixing them. However, they said, Oh, but the events are amazing. <laughs> You know, which was interesting. So you kind of learn, like, what do people really, really care about? What are they willing to be lenient on? And just be above and beyond on that customer experience. I mean, that's huge. And even in my software company, we do the same. Like, we just want everybody super happy and we want to go above and beyond. And again, I think that's something that people kind of slacked on a bit because they, they had wait lists. So they didn't, you know, but now when there's vacancies, you know, and when there's co-living operators that are literally live, uh, building, there's a couple in LA that are building next to each other. I mean, imagine that. That's crazy. <laughs> so it's, and again, it's great. Like a rising, you know, tide lifts all boats. So I'm glad co-living is getting popular. Um, but in some cities, it's going to be oversaturated. So like, what are you guys going to do to set yourselves apart? Um, and that they do come over to your community and they're like, oh my God, I don't want to leave. Um, that would be my number one suggestion for everybody right now. Um, and then, yeah, so I think that's it. I know there's so much, I'm in, I'm in this, like I eat, sleep and breathe and live co-living, like literally. So there's always something to talk about. Well, let me just ask one more question. So for you personally, what is the, what's the thing that feeds you the most about being in your community? And this is sort of, you know, this is, this is like if you were talking to someone who didn't really understand what co-living was all about, where does this touch you the deepest in your, in your community? Oh, Mark, such great questions you have. Okay, good one to, to close out with. Um, I mean, to be, and again, being an entrepreneur is a little bit of a unique career, obviously, right? We're, we're wired a little bit differently in general. <laughs> so, I mean, living with like-minded people that can relate, you know, I've lived with, with people that worked nine to five jobs and they lived for Friday and they dreaded Monday and they hated their boss. And it was very hard for me to live in that environment. In our home, it's so much laughter and it's growth and everybody's helping each other and supporting and they can relate. You know, if you have a really bad day, if a deal falls through, if, you know, your, your, your dev team is delayed, you know, there's somebody in this house that can relate, you know, some of them have raised money. And so they, they teach each other the, t- the tricks and tips. Um, I love that. There's never a single argument. It blows my mind that all these years co-living, I've never seen a fight and an argument in real time, which like, I don't even know how that's possible. You know, people living with families, they probably argue and fight all the time. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's just the essence of living with like-minded people that, that understand you, that, you know, that will do anything for you, right? They're like families. So if something happened, they have your back no matter what. Um, so you just feel supported and yeah, that's, that's the best. There's a lot of best parts, but, but that's definitely on the top. Great. Well, Christine, thanks so much. This is everything that I had hoped it would be uh, in the interview. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for what you're doing for the, the industry um, and educating and, 
and you're so passionate about it. So let's stay connected and uh, we'll, we'll give all the, well, actually uh, go through the quick list of the website, the podcast and your book, and we'll put, put them in the show notes. Yeah. So yeah, Kindred, K-N-D-R-D.io is the software uh, website. Uh, the Co-Living Code show is on YouTube and all those other, you know, fun uh, media channels that we talked about. And then lastly, you can, um, the Co-Living Code, the book is on amazon.com. We actually have three versions of it now. So we, we published two more that were more updated because the industry was growing so quickly. Um, so for investors and large operators. Um, yeah. So, so all things Co-Living for sure. Um, but yeah, we'll have it in the show notes too. Great. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to having you on again and keeping this conversation going. It's no, been awesome. No, for sure, Mark. And good luck with Thrive Communities. I'm, I'm thrilled about what you're building. Congrats. Great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Thrive Co-Living podcast and YouTube broadcast. To discover more about our mission, activities, and how to find us on social media, please check out our website at thrivecolivingcommunities.org. There you can also learn how you can support this creative vision in community co-living. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back soon.